Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Amen. Amen. Good morning, guys. Morning. It is just good to be yeah, together. It is. It is. Even spread out, it's, it's really good. Spread out. So, yep. so 2020, interesting year to be alive, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, there was so much excitement about 2020 and um, what 2020 holds. Not exactly what we expected. COVID-19, mm-hmm. toilet paper shortage. Yeah. Um, giant murder hornets. Mm-hmm. Avoided those barely. Uh, protests, violence targeting Louisville, presidential election with seemingly very polite candidates. Oh, yeah. Um, 2020, it's also, this is interesting, it's also your first full year here as senior pastor. <laughs> yeah. So, it's true. You know, I'd just be interested. <laughs> you know, there's no direct correlation. Like, you, you made a connection there. I just want to make sure. Like, everything that's happened isn't necessarily related. That's true. I've heard, you're, you're, you're really good at taking complex statements and making them simple. <laughs> so how has 2020 been for you in your new role? And before you answer that, I, I wanted to just kind of give a disclaimer that, you know, we're giving you 100% permission to just kind of let your hair down, complain. Complain? Bend a little bit, like... Air it all out. You're in the circle of trust, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because, um, you know, what is true for me is true for all of us in that we had an idea of what this year was going to be like. We have plans that we've made, um, whether it's with your family or work or, you know, here at church, things that we'd worked on a long time. Um, in preparation for this year specifically. Mm. And, and after the transition, I, I think I'd probably spent the last three or four years planning out what this year was going to be like. And then what you realize is that all the things you had planned don't really matter anymore. Like it's <laughs> not, um, it, it, it doesn't fit with the reality of what's happening in our world. And so the, the challenging part for us, I think especially as men, is being able to acknowledge there are all these things that we can't control. Uh, they're just, you know, we, we want to control it, we want to fix it, and then we find ourselves at different times facing the reality of, okay, I'm in a situation that I, I can't fix, I can't control, uh, so how am I going to respond to that? And, you know, to, to me, some of the interesting things uh, as far as being a, a church leader would be, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would say navigating some of the, the uh, racial unrest in our community in, in some ways has been more challenging than navigating some of the uncertainties of the pandemic. Uh, one of the things that uh, we discovered when we started to regather was that unity is a lot easier when, when we regather, right? Like one of the reasons we started regathering when we did was I just kept seeing, um, you know, some disunity and it was amazing to me once we started to regather how much of that kind of kind of leveled off. Um, that we—it's just when when you're separated from each other, it's so easy 
to be divided against each other. Um, and, and then it was just, it's just been, you know, interesting. I'll, here's an example. So last weekend, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, I finished preaching, and it was an incredibly um, emotional weekend. I, I had uh, been working on, um, for, I'd been working on the, the sermon to talk uh, a, a lot about some of the, uh, the, the racial tension and, and the disunity in our community. And I had, if you were there, some of you weren't, but if you were there, I had this uh, uh, interview that I did between these, these two guys who were, if you remember, were in prison. And when they were in prison, you know, you had Randy who was, um, you know, a, a white supremacist gang leader. And you had Dave Thomas who'd come in um, uh, from um, kind of the, uh, you know, ghetto area, and they were in, in prison, they were you know, against each other, and then they become brothers, and it was a really beautiful interview, and it just modeled a new story, a new narrative, but it was a very emotional week kind of leading up to that, and then, you know, I was just ready to kind of take a breath. I get home, and while we were at church, someone had gone onto our property, robbed us, I think we'd lost like ten dollars or $12,000 worth of stuff, and you're, and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, it was just right when you think, okay, we're going to get through this, and then something else kind of comes into it. And that's how this year has gone. I, I changed my cell phone uh, number, and uh, uh, one of the reasons I changed my cell phone number, uh, and we'll just keep this in this room, is I don't know how, but I got targeted by Antifa, uh, which is so weird to me. I, don't, I have no idea why, but there's like a Facebook Antifa page, which is, again, weird that Antifa uses Facebook. And I don't pretend to know or understand much about these things, but for some reason, they targeted me, and they posted my cell phone number on their Facebook page. That's nice. And so they, I started getting all these different uh, attacks on my, on my cell phone, getting signed up for different things and getting you know, all kinds of, of uh, junk sent to me. And uh, so I realized after about three or four days of trying to you know, unsubscribe to things that people had subscribed to me for, I realized, okay, I'm just going to have to get a whole new cell phone number. And, and those are not, you know, those, the scheme of things, those aren't big things, but it does feel a little bit like it's just one little thing, you know, after another. Mm. Yeah, I think this picture probably summarizes it best. Would you agree? 2020 was a scented candle. Yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. seems like, like you said, you come into 2020 all excited, <laughs> and then you're, you know... You're really not excited if you're in that portal right now, but um, you know I think I think it's just how quickly things change, and this is in principle like we, our family got away this weekend for fall break, yeah, and we were having a fire pit down uh, by Nolan Lake Saturday night. It was just awesome. Our family was out there. And you're like, man, this is just awesome. Yeah. Sunday morning, I wake up with 132 chiggers all over my legs. <laughs> so, Did you count them? No, Kinsley did, my, okay. my 10-year-old. Yeah, that's how we, <laughs> we parent intentionally, but anyway. All right, well, let's change gears uh, while we're really here. Uh, today's text, we're, we're diving in. This is, we're finishing up on the, on the Be the Branch, uh, and we're focusing in on John 15, 18 to 27. So it's 10, 10 verses, and I'm actually going to read it from the NIV. And, then, um, and you know, can I? Yep. Yeah. If I could just transition from what we were just doing into this text, mm. it, it is a helpful contrast. Like we were having a little bit of fun talking about challenges that we face, and, and yet what we're getting ready to read here in John 15 is Jesus preparing the disciples for 
um, challenges that are real. Like, you, you know, there's nothing like a little perspective to make you feel better about whatever is going on in your life. Um, and so, so Jesus is gonna speak to them about, hey, here's some of the he, struggles that you, you, can, you can know are coming your way. He wants to prepare them, he wants to warn them. In fact, in John 16, uh, he, he follows what, John, what uh, Ronnie's about ready to read. He follows all of it by saying in verse one, all this I've told you so that you will not go astray. So he says everything he's gonna say and then after he says, I've told you all of these things so that you won't fall away from the faith, so that you, you won't find um, that the struggles you're going through are also something that causes you to, to stumble. You don't want your struggle to make you stumble. And, and so by preparing them for what is gonna happen, he's helping, them to be, he's helping them to be faithful. But as we read this, it gives perspective, I think, to some of the things that we go through because really what a lot of us are experiencing now our challenges and they're they're dif- they're difficult and you know and and it's 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 okay to process those in a more personal way, but to do it with a sense of of perspective. Like right now, I I've heard more and more about you know Jesus must be coming back. But one of the reasons in Western culture we get caught up in this is because it's happening to us. Does that make sense? Like. This has been happening, persecution and challenge and struggle has been happening to the rest of the world <laughs> to a much greater degree than what we've experienced this year and continues to in much of the world. But because it's happening to us, oh, it must be that Jesus is returning. And while I certainly believe that we're closer to the return of Christ than ever before, what we have to be careful of is saying, oh, well, now that it's happening to me, this is really difficult. When in reality, we've had brothers and sisters over you know, the last decade around the world who've experienced extreme persecution and the kind of persecution that Jesus is gonna talk to us about as Ronnie reads John 15. But to understand going into it, the reason Jesus is expressing this is so that they won't, um, they won't stumble from the struggle, that they won't, they won't fall away from it. Yeah, that's a good word. Verse 18, <clears throat> this is out of the NIV. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed me, my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done uh, among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So this is, this is not the lightest text uh, to dive into. <laughs> yeah, welcome morning. back. Yeah, welcome buddy. back, um, <laughs> wet blanket. But it's a significant, and it's packed full of so many 
significant themes and terms. And so, what I'd like to do now is, is just kind of go back, um, start verse 18, 19, and just kind of pull out some, some themes and words that I think are worth you breathing into. Like, for instance, hate. Uh, in verse 18, 19, he uses hate three times, seven times total in these 10 verses. You know, that's, that's a term, like our kids aren't allowed to use that word in our house. It's a strong term. Um, he also talks about worldly love, like belonging to the world, like in contrast in, you know, hate versus belonging. And then he says, I have chosen you. So how do you explain this contrast between the world hating Jesus first and us second with this worldly love talked about here? Like, mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the word hate here is, um, is, a, is a very personal word, right? Like one of the challenges with both words like love and hate is that we, we pollute their power a little bit. Like if you say, I love pizza, then say, I love, I love you to your wife. You, you know, you, you're lining up your wife with pizza. So, so we do the same thing with hate. We say, I hate 132 chigger bites, right? But then we turn around and talk about the world hating us. And then, and so when the, world, the word hate here is more of a personal rejection would be a way to or opposition, uh, and if you trace hate back, the very first, think about this, the first time hate uh, is, is seen in the Bible. So go all the way back to Genesis, you know, think about the first time we see hate modeled in the Bible. Um, anybody have a thought about when that would be? First time you see an example of hate. Yeah, it, that's right, Cain and Abel would be the first thing that came to, to my mind. So. Why, why, why then did Cain hate Abel? Did Abel do something to Cain that caused Cain to hate him? Because what we read in verse 25 is that they, Jesus says, they hated me without reason. Hmm. So did, was there a reason that Cain hated Abel? No, there was no reason. Now that doesn't mean he, he didn't have his own reasons, but there was no, um, he didn't do something when it says that, that they hated Jesus without reason, the idea here is that Jesus didn't do something that should have caused the world to hate him, but the world hates him. So why did Cain hate Abel? Cain hated Abel because Abel's righteousness was an indictment about, against Cain. So Abel was, the, uh, Abel was Cain's conscience, and, and by hating Abel, he's, he's hating himself. Cain's hating himself because Abel represents what Cain is not. If you remember the story from Cain and Abel, you have um, uh, Abel fulfilling what God uh, would have wanted in, in offering up uh, a sacrifice from what God had blessed them, and you had uh, Cain cheating God out of those things um, and, and not, not offering God the right kind of sacrifice. So Cain hates Abel, but the reason he hates Abel is because of his own action. And so when the, the world hates Jesus without reason, it's, it's, it's not that Jesus, the idea is it's not that Jesus did something uh, to hurt the world, it's that the world objects to the conscience of, of what Jesus represents. It's, it's the righteousness that causes the world to hate. And, and so Cain, Abel didn't do anything to Cain, Cain hated Abel. So as we kind of reflect on that personally, the idea would be, are we living in such a way that we cause the world to object to our lives? Like our lives then become, it's not that we've 
been hateful and they're hating us in return. In return, in fact, Jesus prior to this said the world will know you by your love. So it's not that you're not loving, it's that you're living in a way that causes, that causes the rest of the world to be offended, uh, but they're really offended by it with themselves. Think of it this way. If you're in a, um, let's say you're in a, um, a dark, let's say you're in a dark room, you're camping with, you know, some people, and it's, it's, uh, it's dark outside, everybody's kind of falling asleep, and it's quiet, and, and suddenly um, a, a bright light comes on. Somebody, you know, somebody's phone goes off, it's a bright light, or somebody turns on a flashlight, and it's bright. And everyone in the tent becomes angry. Why? Because a light has come on in the darkness, and everyone in the darkness likes things dark. And so the guy who decides, I'm, I'm going to turn a light on in the darkness is a guy who then is hated by the people who want things to stay dark, right? So it's, it's not necessarily about why the light had to come on or what the purpose of the light. The, the light it's, itself is offensive to, to those who are in darkness. And, and so when, the, when Jesus is warning about uh, being hated by the world, he's, he's saying, look, you're, you, by nature of being my follower, by nature of living your life differently, it's gonna be offensive to people. But by nature, being a light is going to be offensive to people who, who don't like light. They, they, want to stay, they want to stay in the dark. It's not that you've caused them to hate you. You've not done something to them personally. But the way you've lived your life is an affront to the way they live their life. And, um, and so as a result, you can ex- expect some personal rejection. Um, one of the things my dad used to, to say to me is that you're, you're known as much by your enemies as you are your friends, right? You're known as much by the people who don't like you as the people who do like you. And, and sometimes the greatest compliment you can have is somebody not liking you because the way, the way you're living and who you're following causes them to, uh, to have this personal re- rejection towards you. Good. So next he talks about, I think this is powerful. We talked about this a little bit last week. But he says, but I have chosen you, uh, which is a powerful thing to think, Savior universe, chosen you out of the world. Now, over here in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23, this is Paul talking, and he says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might may share in its blessings. So, Kyle, how do you... How do you connect Jesus saying he's calling us out of the world with Paul saying, hey, I became all things to all people? It almost feels like, well, wait, are we supposed to step out or, or yeah. be part of it? That, how do yeah. you explain that? Yeah, there's a tension there. I, I, th- I think that what Jesus is doing when he's, you know, he says that you're being called out of the world or you are not, later we'll see here, you are not, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, you know, what, here's how it aligns with what Paul says in I've become all things to all people. That is not an of the world statement, right? Like becoming all things to all people in order that you might reach some is not of the world. Uh, so they, they go together. So Jesus says, I'm calling you out of the world. You're not to be of the world. Paul says, I've become all things to all people. That's not what someone of the world does. Someone of the world um, instead, you know, would... Um, out of pride, uh, 
put themselves in a different category than other people. They, you know, someone of the world um, is, is going to, as we're seeing right now, is going to lean towards tribalism. You know, here's, here's my group, and if you are opposed to me, or, or opposed to this group, then I'm opposed to you. And so Paul says, I've become all things to all people. That's something that someone that's not of the world does. And I think the, the world largely doesn't know, you know what to do with Christians that really live, really live this way. Um, I, I, it's right now in the NBA Finals, you have uh, the Lakers against the Heat, which is kind of an, an interesting contrast because you have LeBron, right, who, who played with the, the Heat and won championships with the Heat, who's now playing for the Lakers. And, and, and so one of the things you, you see is you see people who are, uh, my brother-in-law's this way, huge Lakers fan, but de- never liked LeBron, but now LeBron's a Laker. So he's, you know, he cheers for the Lakers and, and, and LeBron's on his team, so he cheers for LeBron. But when LeBron was with the Heat, he was cheering for the Lakers. Now, but now the Heat doesn't, you know, the, the Heat don't, they don't like LeBron because he's playing for the Lakers, not for the Heat. And, and so what you have is the minute you identify with, you know, one team, you are, um, uh, by definition, putting yourself in opposition to the people who, who maybe used to say, well, he's on our side. And, but as soon as you're somewhere else, then they, they're against you, right? So when Jesus says, you know, I've chosen you, he's, that word literally means picked you out. I've picked you out. I've, I've, I've put you on my team. But the moment you become a part of his team, um, then you are not on the other team. Like you're out of the world, and that's where, that's where that opposition comes from. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I think that's important because I think it, I think as guys, we could confuse like, hey, the world hates me with just being a butthead, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's not what, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. And then he jumps in and you alluded to this when we jumped in, in, in 16.1, you know, he, like, I've told you this so you don't go astray. I love, you know, moving into verses 20 to 22, he says, remember the words I spoke to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after he's just said, hey, the world's going to hate you, hated me first. And then after that, he's like, but remember the words I spoke to you. I, I was just thinking about that, of how powerful of a word that word remember mm. is and can be, not just in Scripture, I mean, uh, but in Scripture, you know, First Samuel 17, when, when King Saul basically tells David, you know, hey, you're just a little boy, you can't go up against that warrior. And David essentially says, hey, remember uh, who you're talking, who I, who I am. Like, I've killed a lion and a bear with these claws right here. Um, and then uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, 24, 25, we read about, you know, the Lord's Supper, and he says, hey, remember, you know, my body that I shed and the blood, you know, and that's just a powerful, I mean, we celebrate that every, every, every time we gather on weekends. And even I was, was thinking about the, the movie, Remember the Titans. There's that scene, I had to watch it yesterday just to make sure I was remembering correctly, but when the, the assistant coach who used to be the head coach and he's on defense and he pulls his defense, they're getting their clocks cleaned and he pulls them in and he's like, he says, he's, I mean, I was like, man, the water boy's ready to go in after this. He goes, he goes, remember, uh, he goes, you make sure they remember uh, forever the night they played the Titans. You know, it's just like, remember. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's why it's so significant. It's 
constantly getting in the Scripture to remind ourselves, to remember who God calls us to be and who we are in Him. So why is it so critical to remember Jesus' words and because of my name, you know, Jesus' name, in the face of so much hatred all around us? You know, it's a great word to, to lean into in this passage, not just in, in chapter 15 here, but throughout John 14 through 16, in the final discourse here of Jesus, the final words of Jesus before he would be arrested and uh, to be crucified, this is, a, this, is the, this is the word. Like, this is what he is wanting to say to them. Hey, remember this, remember this, remember this. And, and um, it, it's what you say to, it's what someone says in their final moments. Hey, here's, here's we spent a lot of time together. Here's what I don't want you to forget. And so in many ways, throughout the whole, uh, I hadn't thought of this before, but throughout the whole discourse, you could put the word remember over the top of it. Like, we've already talked about this. Jesus has spent three, three and a half years with, with these disciples. He's already said these things, but he wants them to remember. And the word remember here is to intentionally not forget, right? So um, sometimes we have a category of things that we want to remember, um, but if we really want to remember, we have to intentionally not forget, meaning we, we need to have moments where we stop and intentionally remember. So Ronnie mentioned, you know, um, you know communion you know, as an example where Jesus says you know, to his disciples, remember, one of the reasons we take communion is to intentionally not forget. We don't want to just say, remember what Jesus did for us. We want to intentionally not forget it. And so we set aside time every week when we worship and gather together to intentionally not forget. And then Jesus says here, remember the words I said to you. Okay, well, what are those words? As it relates to this, con- to this passage of scripture in context, what did Jesus say to them that he wants them to remember? Well, he's wanting them to, to remember how to deal with, as, cho- as, as people who are chosen, people who are, 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 his, are his friends, how do you deal with it when the world hates you? And, and so you know, the disciples are, and he doesn't say everything here, he just says, remember what I've said. And so the disciples would have remembered um, things like, uh, you know, what my mind went to is um, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which is, I think, you know, I think the Sermon on the Mount is an example of of a a go-to sermon for Jesus. Like, I think he preached different versions of this at different times, but... um, But the disciples would have remembered. And how did Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount say you are to deal with people who hate you. Uh, you know, he says things like, you know, you've heard it, it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist the evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the left also, right? Like, that it's based on the principle of exact retribution. If someone hates you, you hate them back. If someone hurts you, you hurt them back. But Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said, exact retribution, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Um, and, and so when Jesus then in John, 6, or John 15 says, remember the words I've told you, these are the words he told them. Like when you are opposed, when the world hates you, when you feel rejected, when you're treated unfairly, um, this, this is how you're, you are to respond, not an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Uh, and, and he says, someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Give him the Give them the coat off your back. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your, enemy, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you uh, that you may be, listen, you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That when you respond to hate this way, 
you're identifying yourself as a follower of Jesus. And so Jesus says, this is how they treated me, this is how they're gonna treat you. When you get treated this way, you respond the way I treated, or I, I responded when I was treated that way. And how did Jesus respond? Well, Jesus blessed his enemies, Jesus prayed for those who, who were hurting him, prayed for God's forgiveness and blessing in their lives. And so he says, remember the words intentionally, do not forget the words I've spoken, um, and you know, Matthew five, if you wanna spend some time kind of looking at, well, okay, well, what was Jesus referencing? I think that's a good example of, of how we do it, okay? How do I remember what he said to me? Okay, I go back, I look at Matthew five, and I see what Jesus has already, the words he's spoken, what he's already said about dealing with hatred and personal opposition and rejection. Okay. Uh, verses 23 to 25, Jesus mentions this a couple times. Essentially, he, he's, and it's not just here, it's consistently in the Gospels, he's consistently tethering himself with his father. Mm. You know, and, and it's like he, he refuses to allow it to be separated. Why, why, why is that so significant? You know, I, I think what Jesus wants his followers to understand is the relationship that he has with the Father is the relationship he wants with them. Like, so, you know, Jesus will say things like, um, you know, every word I've spoken has come from the Father. I do nothing without the Father's uh, direction or, or without the Father's blessing. And, and so he's modeling for them the type of relationship that he, he wants them to have. And it, it goes back to really the context of this whole chapter of being the branch where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch, your job is to stay connected to me. So Jesus models this uh, with the Father, that he is connected to the Father, and it's through, the, that, relational, it's that, through that relationship that Jesus lives uh, out his mission on earth. And, and so for us, the, the idea would be that what he has modeled is, the, is, is the, reflected in how we live our life as being the branch intentionally staying connected to the vine. Okay, and then verse 26 to 27, you know, it talks about the counselor, you know, the spirit truth, the Holy Spirit will testify, and then he also, and then he says, you must also testify. Like, for a dude who's hearing this, you know, going, man, I, what is that talking about? Like, testify about what? Yeah, so, this is a lot of what John 16 does is unpacks that. You know, the, it's interesting, you know, where they put chapter breaks. It doesn't always feel, uh, sometimes it feels arbitrary. This would be an example of that. Um, because what happens in verse 26, he introduces the Holy Spirit as the one who will testify. You're not going to be alone. I'm, I'm letting you know the world's going to hate you, but, but there's going to be a counselor. There's going to be one who comes up alongside. There's going to be one who is with you and is testifying to your spirit about who I am, who's going to be reminding you about the words that I've spoken. Uh, so I'm not, in fact, that's what Jesus does here in, in chapter 16 that we'll study in the upcoming weeks. Jesus says, it's better for you in John 16. It's better for you if I go, because if I go, the counselor will come. That from Jesus' perspective, these disciples uh, were going we're, we're gonna to do better against the challenges if Jesus left because when, when the Holy Spirit came, that was, that was going to be better for them. Well, why would that be? I mean, isn't it better to have Jesus right there with you, testifying for you, 
And, and Jesus said, uh, no, it's actually better if I go because then the Holy Spirit will come and, and, and God in you is better than God with you, right? And so Jesus is with them, but the Holy Spirit's coming to be in them and, and will testify to everything you know, that you've heard me say, but now you're gonna say these things. I won't be there. You're gonna say these things, but, but you're not gonna be alone either, that the, the Holy Spirit will, will be testifying to you and then you are in turn to testify to the world. You're, the Holy Spirit will speak courage and truth into you, and then you are to speak courage and truth into the world. So one could argue that the world spiraling into despair, I hope that's not a surprise to anybody here this morning, but all around us right now is a perfect time for us men, all of us, to be reminded that as, as followers of Jesus, pursuing, pursuing Jesus, and personal grown faith in him. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world, and to testify about Jesus. Question for you is, what's at, what's at stake if we settle for believing that's, well, that's your job? Or, you know, I don't know enough. Like, what's at stake if, if we don't take that as like, that, that's not just a suggestion? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, the purpose of your life is at stake. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus and uh, you know, and you decide, well, I'm out. I'm not, I'll let somebody else do that. It's, 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 it's AWOL. It's, you know, you're absent without leave. You're not, that, that's, that's not what it means to follow Jesus. That you, as, as we talked about this past weekend, that you're chosen on purpose and you're, you're chosen for a purpose. And, in, and, you know, you can be afraid of it, but until you embrace that, um, that purpose, you, you'll, you'll never really know or understand, you'll always feel unsettled. You won't really know or understand, you know, why you've been called until you, until you begin to, to live that out. Hmm. And, you know, I would, let me also just, I know we're getting close to wrapping up here. I, I, th- I think it's, you touched on this, that we shouldn't be surprised at the direction the world is going. I think, I really think this is huge, y'all. Like, I, I get, I get concerned as, in this season when I see followers of Jesus act so shocked that the world is a difficult and dark place. Like, wait, you know, what, 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 were, you ex- what, what were you expecting? And part of the conviction for me as a pastor and as a preacher is what Jesus does here to look back and say, okay, am I doing, am I doing that the, the way that I need to? Because if, if so many people are surprised and shocked when, shocked when things are difficult in this world, then one of the things I, I feel convicted of is doing more of what Jesus does here, and that is, hey, we, we know that this is gonna happen. Like, we're not expecting things to become better and better, and then suddenly it's utopia. Like, we, we don't believe in, in that. We don't believe in a, in a, a social utopia. We, that's not where our hope is. And, and I don't know, you know, to, to stay in line here with the tone of the text you know, and I, I know it's a hard way to start your <laughs> it's a hard way to start your morning, but I, I don't know that things are going to get better. Um, you, you know, I, I think that we should not be surprised. And Jesus again in John sixteen verse one says, "I'm telling you these things, you know, not to be a downer, <laughs> but because I don't want you to fall away. I don't I don't want you to be surprised when it happens." And so when we gather together here, you know, on a on a on an early morning. Um, you know, there's a tendency to want to, to say, you know, rainbows and butterflies, everything's, everything's gonna be good, and, and, 
And, and ultimately, yeah, everything will be good, but not necessarily of, of this world. And so it's good for us to come together. Uh, it's good for us to warn each other, like, like the, those in battle, saying, hey, here's to be prepared. Here's what you can expect. Um, and and that's, not a, um, that's not an unkind thing to do. It's the right, it's the right thing for us to do as men, is to gather together and, and prepare ourselves uh, for the challenges and struggles that, that uh, we face in the world. You said something a few years ago that was profound to me. Um, you said, for Christ followers, this earth is as close to hell as we'll ever get, but for unbelievers, it's as close to heaven as we'll ever get. And you know, you think, what I find myself is I get, I act surprised, you know, when, when I forget, when I try to bring to make heaven here on earth. Like when I forget that it's like, yeah. hey, this isn't it. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, if I was lost, it's like, yeah, all this stuff that's happening would probably be me too. Cause it's like, this is, there's gotta be more than this. Yeah. So uh, wrapping up here, we finished as a church uh, just recently, you know, this be the branch and, you know, you're speaking to people all over the spectrum um, as well as make, uh, both genders. And so I imagine sometimes it's hard to like be able to say exactly what you want to say at times because you realize you're speaking to a big audience. But right now you, you've got the mic with an audience exclusively of men in this room and that will be watching this digitally this next week. What's God putting on your heart that you just want to directly speak to us men? That's good. Yeah, there are certain times um, where you, when, when you're preaching to a mixed audience where you think, if I had just men, I'd say this a little bit differently. And that's been true with the Be the Branch series because what we've talked about in this series uh, it's rooted in verse five of John 15. You know, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can, can't do anything. So everything's kind of revolved around this idea of be the branch, stay connected to Jesus. And I touched on this in week one to introduce it. But that my challenge as a man, particularly, is to focus on production, producing fruit, rather than on connection. Now I would say that by and large, women are better branches than men. Because women understand um, innately the, the importance of connection over production. Uh, and that's a broad, you know, stereotypical, stereotyping statement. But I think it's true that they, they tend to, you know, they, they tend to prioritize, rightly so, connection over production. For men, this is an area, not for all men, but predominantly for men, this is really a struggle for us. And that is we want to emphasize production over connection, that we, we tend to measure ourselves by what I can check off a list, by what I can produce and what I can get done. And, and, and so one of the things I would say, since it's all men, is, it, it, you know, our priority has to be connection, but it will, it will be a battle for us. It, it will be a, a fight for us uh, because we will tend to lean towards production. We'll tend to say, okay, what did, I, what did I get done? What did I fix? What did I take care of? What was on my list that's no longer on my list? 
uh, our focus is on production. And I, I'm just telling you, this is a struggle for me in my relationship with Jesus, but it's a struggle for me in my relationship with my wife. It's a struggle for me in my relationship with my children. It's a struggle for me in my relationship with my, my friends, is I will prioritize production over connection. I've got things to get done today, and at the end of the day, I might not connect with people, or I might not take the time to connect with Jesus the way I need to, but that's okay because I've produced all these things. And Jesus says, no, it's, it's not okay. It's, it's not okay. You're you're prioritizing production over connection and that is not sustainable and yes, you have something to show for it but not something that will last. So take this as an example as a father. Like this is especially true spiritually but let me put it in in context of, uh, you know, a a horizontal relationship. So think about this as a a father. When you are, are in production mode you, you have uh, all these things that you need to get done, and you don't, as a result, you don't take time to do things like uh, hang out with, you know, with your kids because you don't feel like you've accomplished something. You don't feel like you're producing something. So you put off that connection with them because you need to produce fruit. Okay, so, so you did. You, you got the lawn mowed, and you, you, know, you, you uh, made a sale, or you, know, you met the quota, you produce this. But none of those things last. The lawn grows back, the money disappears, but if you would have connected, if you would have put the priority on connection, it would have produced a different kind of fruit and fruit that will last. Does that make sense? So what's true in, in your relationship, if you're a father with your kids, or what's true, it's same with your wife or any relationship, the connection part, if you take care of that, it produces a different kind of fruit that lasts. But if you put the priority of the day on production, you can show something for it, but it won't last. Now, all of this is true spiritually as well. Like, I I can put the priority of this day, I'm I'm just telling you, I'm gonna struggle with it today. Today, I'm gonna struggle with this spiritually. I know the things I gotta get done today. Um, And a lot of those things are are God-related things, right? Like, they're kingdom-related things. I'm a pastor. And so, you know, I can easily justify, hey, here's what I'm gonna produce. And I can... I, I, can, I can fail at the connection part because I'm focused on the production part. But what I can tell you is it's not, that's not sustainable. Like I will burn out, it won't last. And those things, um, those things might feel good at the end of this day, but ultimately they don't produce what God's looking for. So that means I have to intentionally connect with Jesus, which is what we're, which is what we're doing here. So one of the purposes of, of us gathering together is we're saying you know, we're gonna gather together early in the morning, once a week, and we are going to focus on connection, connecting with Jesus, connecting with each other. As men, we're gonna have to be intentional to do some things differently because you're gonna leave here and everything in the world is gonna be on production, but here the priority is connection, and then we trust Jesus to bring fruit that will last. What's one question as we break off into group time that you think would be fruitful for us to unpack together? Um, I'll, I'll, let me give you two, even though you asked for one. One would be what I just talked about. Are there, are there some ways that your life um, tends to go towards production instead of connection where you need to reprioritize connection? Because ultimately, getting that right solves a lot of this other stuff that we're talking about. And then I, I think as it relates specifically to the text we've studied today, what are some ways that you are not of the world? Does that make sense? Like, um, what are some ways that, that you are uh, an, an able to cane? 
that the way you live is, is shining a, a light in, in the darkness? There's a couple of questions to think through. Okay, thanks. Mason's going to come out and give us some wrap-up instructions, but Kyle, thanks for investing your time with uh, us. I love being here. Thank you. It's good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 